Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right, and welcome to Fast Break Breakfast NBA Podcast. My name is Keith, here alone for a solo interview episode. Chuck and John will be back for a full episode shortly. Today's episode was postponed because it was scheduled for Thursday, September 7th, which ended up being my daughter's birthday, as she came a couple weeks early. So we went ahead and made up the interview. We talk a little bit about how we almost pushed through, decided to record the interview anyway, despite the objections of the guest. If you want more John and Chuck in your lives, or just more me in your life, you can go to patreon.com slash fastbreakbreakfast and join our support group there. There's different levels you can sign up for. We post some bonus content on that website. Also very popular is the Slack chat where we talk about movies and basketball all around the clock, especially in the off season. It's a great way to stay connected. We're also signing up for our fantasy basketball leagues. We have some slots available in the head-to-head leagues and maybe one slot left in the International Stackhouse of Pancakes negative fantasy league. So if that sounds like something that you would be into, Reach out to me on Twitter or go ahead and sign up at the $4 tier at patreon.com slash fastbreakbreakfast. My guest today is the Utah Jazz beat writer for ksl.com and the managing editor of the jazz blog Salt City Hoops and is now a multi-time returning guest. Mr. Andy Larson. Andy, how are you? Doing well. How are you? I'm doing great. You played a you played a big role in my life, Andy. You were part <laughs> you were part of my daughter's birth. I was I was trying not to be a part of your daughter's birth. That's really what I was afraid of. You were very responsibly trying not to be part of the birth. What happened was we, we had an interview scheduled for last Thursday, and then my wife's water broke very, very early Thursday morning. Uh, but it was like before contractions were getting going. And so uh, we're sitting there at the hospital, you know, like later that day. And my wife, she's telling me like, oh, yeah, yeah. Like, go go record the, the podcast. Like, nothing's happening here. And I'm like, I don't know. I feel like I should be here. <laughs> and, uh, and, and, <laughs> and then you, and then I like I was, you know, I, I DM'd you like, hey, uh, so I'm at the hospital, but I think we can still record. And then you and then you shared my dirty laundry with the whole world. By but by, by yeah. sh- you know <laughs> showing the DM. I was wondering if, if you would be <laughs> mad at me for that, but I, I thought maybe like some peer pressure would would get you to to be with your wife. No, I mean it was good peer pressure. Also, like you know, I, I think maybe I picked up two followers. So I mean, thanks for that. That's good. <laughs> like that's good. But no, seriously, I think part of it is, I mean, one, my wife is very independent, and she also really loves being alone. And then another thing okay. is, she also really uh, she doesn't like disappointing people. So she was, I think okay. she she really felt like. 
you should not cancel on this interview, nothing will happen. And so uh, eventually, you know, b- between your public peer pressure and, uh, and like, and obviously being at the hospital, I hate being in the hospital. I get, ve- I-, I pass out at everything. Like I can't hear mm-hmm. them explain things. Cause I'm like, Oh no, that, that makes me faint. I just, just don't, <laughs> d- d- don't worry about it. But, uh, but just being there, you know, by her side again, even though they said we we're going to have a lot of hours to go, I was like, I- it does feel too anxious to like, go home, even though we only live like five, 10 minutes away from the hospital. It's like, I don't want to go home and talk about the, the Utah jazz while, while you're right. <laughs> while you're laying here. So I guess better heads prevailed. And she was like, yeah, that's good. So it, it was still a good bit of time, but uh, our daughter did come kind of rapidly l- later that evening. So you, you will forever be in my memory. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad that like, that it, that it went well, the birth went well, that like the, the worst case scenario of like something terrible or, you know, something really the birth of your daughter happening while you're trying to talk about the Utah jazz or you getting that call or whatever it is. Right. We, we avoided all of those things that could have possibly happened, even if they weren't likely. It definitely wasn't worth running the risk. It's like, it's like not, it's like not top one protecting your pick. When you're when you're when you're, when you're trading <laughs> right. away Jared Dudley or whatever it was, and then and then it ends up being Kyrie Irving or I don't know if I'm getting my history. Yeah, Mo Williams. That's right. It was. Yeah, yeah. Right? Mo, Mo, there, there, there we go. But uh, so it worked out great. But now, Andy, now we can talk about the Utah Jazz with no no pressures in the world. However, before we get there, it is our tradition to talk about breakfasts. I know you're not a regular breakfast eater, but uh, is anything new in your breakfast game? Have yeah. You- well, I, I have I have a couple things to talk to you about. I, I've, oh, you know. ex- exciting! So, first of all, there's this. I, I don't usually do breakfast, but I did brunch this weekend. And oh. there's this place up here in Salt Lake City called Straw Market. And I, I don't think it's a, a chain or anything, but I walk in there and they have like incredible prices on their on their breakfast foods, or really on the, all of their foods. So, like, you can get go in and get a you know two eggs, toast, and hash browns for five bucks, oh. or you can and and you can replace that toast if you want with a cinnamon roll for free. And then you can get like a breakfast sandwich, ham, eggs, and cheese for three fifty. You can get a crepe for three fifty. You can get, you know, you can do all this awesome. I don't know. So I, I had probably the best breakfast experience from like a, a cost and a deliciousness point of view. I had him probably a, a year or two this weekend. So I was excited to talk to you about it. That sounds awesome. What, what was it called again? It's called Straw Market. It's Straw up in the, the Avenues neighborhood here in Salt Lake City. All right. I've never been to Salt Lake City. Maybe I'll make it out to one of those Utah Utah summer leagues, and I'll d- definitely hit up Straw Market. I love, a, I love, one, a cheap breakfast. I love also substituting uh, cinnamon roll for toast. That is definitely – Yeah. That's a huge upgrade. That's a huge upgrade and for, for free. And, and I guess – I mean, they sell their cinnamon rolls for a buck each anyway. So – but, Yeah. Uh, everything involved was delicious. I got I got the breakfast sandwich and the cinnamon roll, and and it was it was great. All right, that does that. That sounds very good. All right, now now transitioning from the joy of my daughter being born to <laughs> to the agony of a Utah Jazz fan on July fourth this summer, when you're hanging in the balance about Gordon Hayward, is he going to stay? Is he going to leave? And then he ends up leaving after. You know, the report came out that he was leaving, and then he said, no, wait, I'm still thinking about it, and then he left. Walk me through what that July 4th was like for you guys. Yeah, I mean, for obviously, it's it's a holiday, so you're you're trying to take the day off, but, you know, everyone knows that Gordon's decision is coming down that day. So, 
you're you're watching Twitter constantly. You're trying to get, you're trying to communicate. For me, trying to communicate with my sources, seeing if anyone knows anything, um, or you know, I can find something on Twitter that someone leaks something, whatever it is. Uh, and, and then, so you know, that first report comes out. First of all, that morning, I should say, like 9 a.m. my time, um, there are these reports. There's this user on Twitter who has something to do with the Players' Tribune and, and said that he, he heard from someone over there that uh, the article has already been written and it says, thanks, Utah. So you, the, the title of it is, thanks, Utah. So you, you see that, you're like, okay, this is, this is a random guy, but seems to have knowledge of what this Players' Tribune article is called. And, you know, that it came out in a Players' Tribune article it was, was never a surprising thing. Um, and, and so that it's called thanks Utah doesn't mean, doesn't sound like he's going to be staying there. You know what I mean? So that's already a bad sign. Then you start hearing that his trainer has started to, uh, communicate with people on Instagram that yes, he's going to to Boston. Okay. Another bad sign. Then you kind of get that, that Chris Haynes report at, it was about 11, I think our time that, you know, Gordon Hayward is signing with the Celtics. Tony Jones of the Salt Lake Tribune confirms it. I confirm it with one of my sources, and we go ahead and write up the story. Um, and then it, all of a sudden, Mark Bartlestein comes out and says, look, no, Gordon has not yet made a decision. That's still happening, and we'll let you know when that, when that actually happens. Meanwhile, I've got a source, you know, within the jazz who says, no, we, we kind of know what's going on here. Um, but in, in a desire to play good faith with, with Mark Bartlestein, who's, who's, you know, a, a well-respected agent. And quite frankly, the, the possibility that Gordon changes his mind here, maybe Bartlestein is, is uh, saying that, you know, maybe he has a, a second thoughts about this, whatever it is, that maybe he's going back to Utah. The Jazz kind of waited those few hours until eventually that Players' Tribune article did come out four or five o'clock uh, mountain time. And, and, again, kind of hit that second crushing blow for jazz fans who are watching that all day long. I remember reading the article, and maybe I'm just dense. The thank you, Utah, that didn't actually spell it out for me. Like, I, I remember opening the article and being like, wait, what does it say? I'm like scrolling through yeah. just, to, just to find. <laughs> it's like reading, getting a, an acceptance letter to something. Where like the first sentence is like, thank you very much for your interest. Uh, you know, and then you're right. like, well, where's the negative part? And so then, so then the news did break. So, yeah. You guys lost Gordon Hayward. Um, how, how do you cope? How did you guys cope with that? Yeah, I mean, as a fan base, I guess uh, it's fair to say that people were disappointed, and I think there's some anger there. And I think, honestly, a little bit rightfully so. I mean, obviously, like every player has the ability to leave in free agency and, and do what they want with their lives. And I, I don't really think it's that for Jazz fans. I think it's that they feel like the little brother here a little bit where, you know, the team was in a really good position. They just made it to the second round of the playoffs. They were young, moving up, moving forward. And, and Gordon had been here for seven years. And I think people were hurt that uh, all of a sudden he said, you know, look, there's this better situation in Boston that is, you know, controversially better. You know, it certainly, this was, this was before Kyrie Irving trade. The Kyrie Irving trade. He's probably the best player on that team. Just, you know, the, it, it's not a substantially different roster than Utah. And he's he's leaving because, well, you know, the Eastern Conference. He's got a chance at All Star appearances, a, a higher chance of those in the East, and and kind of everything else. And I think Jazz fans were a little bit hurt by that. That you know, those were the reasons why 
um, why he left a, a, what was a really good situation with the Jazz, and, and that he said you know he wanted to challenge himself more, and, and and I think everyone felt like well you can you can challenge yourself here in in Utah as well. So again, I, I think there's been a lot of anger, a lot of kind of uh, kind of depression, I guess you I would almost say about like okay this is the status of where the Jazz are as a franchise as they're one of the also rams and you know where the, that they're not going to be competing for a championship and and, and I guess kind of things like that are, are definitely uh, you start to think really big picture when when one of the best players on your team leaves and you you get nothing in return putting myself in the shoes of a jazz fan i'm most demoralized for gordon hayward leaving because to me it seems like it's 100% about the conferences yeah. if the celtics if the celtics were in the western conference there's almost no chance in my mind that's a that's a sideways move. It's it's a lateral move. Like the Jazz and the Celtics are kind of the same. They're equal as far as who's better. But going to the East, it's like oh, now I can play in probably multiple conference finals. Now I'm almost assured of being an All Star maybe for the next three years or something. Like it creates his legacy. Like it boosts his legacy massively to if he stays in the Western conference and he makes, maybe he finishes his career with a couple of all-star appearances and maybe he never even makes the conference finals to now maybe at the end of his career, he has a resume of like, Oh, I made six all-star games and I made the conference finals two times. Now maybe I'm a hall of fame player. So the, the, the imbalance of the conferences that bugs me a lot. And again, I'm a Grizzlies fan. Technically, I don't know what it's like to lose a free agent, but being a Western Conference small market guy, it makes it, it. I kind of felt pain for Jazz fans. Like he's leaving one hundred percent just because the conferences are imbalanced. Yeah, and and you know what do you what do you do about that? You know, if if you know the Warriors happen to be in the East, then yeah, Gordon Hayward stays. I, I think there's there's not a whole lot of question about that. So I mean, as as the franchise, do you what do you try to do with that? You know, do you, you just try to petition the NBA offices so that it's a one through 16 style format? I mean, I'm sure that every Western conference team would love that. And every Eastern conference team would vote. No, you know, so there's just, there's just no recourse there. And you're, you're left just kind of doing the best you can do. Well, speaking of doing the best you can do, I really like what the jazz did in light of losing Gordon Hayward and losing George Hill, I think they made a lot of, of really smart moves. And um, I was doing a power ranking for our, our Patreon supporters. And, you know, I feel like the top six teams right now in the NBA, are, there's a general consensus. Most people think it's probably Warriors, Spurs, Rockets, Cavs, and the Celtics, Thunder, some mis- mishmash of that, you know, maybe the Raptors, yeah. the Wizards. Uh, so I had a lot of trouble picking the seventh team and I don't trust the Raptors. I don't trust the Wizards. I feel like the new teams in the West, they're going to jump up, like the Wolves and the Nuggets. I don't really trust them either. I think maybe it's more likely one of those teams finishes better than the Jazz. But I put the Jazz seventh in my offseason, like in my power rankings for this hmm. coming season. And, I, and then I noticed, because I normally avoid what other people are writing, like other power rankings and other win total projections. But so then I did that, and then I looked around, and I was way higher than uh, just, about, yeah. just about anybody else. And I know this team maybe cannot score the basketball at all. 
But I was thinking this team is going to be so good at defense, and they added just rotation guys who are good, who are above like replacement level players. So tell me, Andy, uh, how incredibly wrong am I to think the Jazz are going to be maybe that good? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't think they'll be seventh for kind of the reasons you stated that, like, I, I think you have to say that you, you favor the Raptors based on what they did last year. And, and obviously, again, playing in the East, you probably accumulate more wins that way. Um, Wizards, again, same thing with, with how they acquitted themselves pretty well, I thought, in the playoffs, except for the fact that they didn't have a bench and they've, they've done some things to help that. Uh, and then just on, honestly, Minnesota's star power plus, um, I really do believe that Jimmy Butler is a very good player. And so at just adding the number of wins there, plus some, uh, hopefully some better defense from them gets them to be a good team. But honestly, I, like, I, I don't think it's unreasonable th- to think of the jazz as maybe a contender for that spot. And, and certainly maybe as a contender for the top 10 teams in the league, you know, eight, nine, 10 slots. Um, just because I do think that like they, they have a lot going for them. Like you, you said, the, kind of the additions that they've made from a role player point of view, all on excellent contracts, by the way, all of those are the, the Jonas Drebko, Ekpe Udo and uh, Tabo Stavlosha deals are all two year deals, but with the second year non-guaranteed. So you can have some flexibility there to do what you want with them. Uh, and then with how Ricky Rubio is playing in Eurobasket, and I'm sure we'll, we'll talk about some of these things later. Like you, you added a few wins and everywhere kind of across the board to make up for what should, what these two losses in, in Gordon Hayward and George Hill would be. And like you say, you've got a, you've got a really iffy offense, you know, this may be a bottom 10 offense, but the defense should still be top three. And it's really hard to miss the playoffs that way. Yeah. I also think it could be a season where if I keep doing my weekly power rankings where the Raptors, the Wizards, whoever else, the Nuggets have a better record than the Jazz, but I'm like, whatever, this team would beat you to a pulp in the playoffs. Like I'm, I'm still thinking this team might, might be better. And again, this is probably my Grizzlies fandom from like five years ago, (laughs) the true grit and grind years where I was like, yeah, you guys win more games. Like we're going to destroy you uh, in the playoffs. It's going to be 80, 85 to 80. Um, you mentioned Rubio. So that's a big change. The, the point guard position has, has seemingly changed every year in Utah for a while. I noticed Minnesota fans are almost universally bummed that they lost Rubio. So, so that makes you feel pretty good, right? Yeah. Like it's, I, I don't, I, I would kind of like want to do that study someday of like try to track opposing fans, or I guess one team's fans reaction to a trade and then how that trade works out. Kind of see if there's a wisdom of crowds there, but yeah, like, and, and then he's, he's done so well in this Eurobasket tournament too, and, and being Spain's second leading scorer and shooting 48% from the three point line and all this kind of stuff that you're like, okay, maybe the second half of last year's Ricky Rubio season was who he's going to be this year. And then all of a sudden, uh, he's, you know, a markedly better player than he was in his first six seasons. You know, Dennis Lindsay said he could, he really believes he can be the 2017 version of Jason Kidd, which is a crazy thing to say at first glance. And then you kind of look at the stats and realize they're, they're not that far off, actually. Sorry, I, uh, I was taken aback by that statement. It, t- it, t- it, took right? me, it, t- it took me a second to process that. I was like, what? I mean, think about it. That, that's, so that's the, the general manager of the franchise saying that, you know, Ricky Rubio, who is a average starting point guard, let's put it that way, right. can be Jason Kidd, right? I mean, it, it's, that's, that's a huge leap. And, it, you know, 
and yet it still kind of seems possible if he plays to the level that he's been playing over the last, I don't know, what, 30 games or so. Right. And, and I'm excited about it because, again, it's one of those guys where everyone, the fans love him. Everyone seems to agree mm-hmm. he makes a team better. But then there's obviously the, the caveats of he can't shoot, teams don't respect him, he can't space the floor, which could be even more distressing on a team that's starving for offense like the Jazz. Yeah. Um, the Jazz front court, so Gobert, best player on the Jazz. And then Derek Favors, a couple years ago, it looked like he was going to be one of the main building blocks of the franchise and that the, the Gobert-Favors front court was going to kind of be a, like a Mark gasol Zebo dominant front court but now that there's kind of space the pace and space has taken over the nba is that already a relic is favors part like a big part of the jazz future yeah it's a good question so he's a free agent next summer um i i think it's i think last year is less to do with the pace and space making the two big big men thing a relic and more just that Derek favors was injured basically the entire season um, played through it in a few games, but honestly just didn't have the explosion really ever, um, both vertically and horizontally. You know, he could. it was clear that he was in pain moving up and down the court. It was clear that he couldn't jump as high, and it meant that he wasn't, it wasn't as good of a finisher around the rim. He wasn't as good of an offensive or defensive rebounder. You know, kind of all these things that he had come to rely on were, were sapped for him. And so he, he kind of went to a mid-range jump shot sort of game, which on, he's fine at, he's, he's average at, but it's, it's certainly not kind of, it doesn't make him into a special player. So, uh, I mean, I, I hate to get into already the, the training camp kind of thing of, wow, Derek Favors looks thinner, but Derek Favors looks thinner in when I've seen him in person and in photos. Um, and, and I think he's trying to kind of slim up and play that not small ball for, but be more of a versatile for, and, and really be able to play next to Rudy Gobert and, and kind of maybe show that he deserves to be part of the franchise in the future at the very least can fit as a power forward in today's game. Cause it, you know, that would make him more money as a small, as a, as a free agent next year. Do you think he's penciled in as the starter beside Gobert? Yeah, I, I think he'll start assuming that he's healthy. Um, you know, they, they have some other options before, but I don't know that I'd like be really excited about starting, say, Jonas Jarebko there. Um, I guess you could start Tabo Soflosha there and, and be fine against probably half of the teams in the Western Conference, but not the other half. Um, but I, I think, you know, not starting him at the beginning of the season, I think would be a, a slap in the face to, like you said, kind of the, the caliber of player he was before the injuries. Right. Looking at the Utah roster, I feel like Derek Favors needs to play a lot of backup center. So then you can, mm-hmm. on the second unit, you know, if you get Favors in there and then you can have, you know, Jarebko and Joe Johnson, maybe at the three and four. So you have some shooters around him. It's, and I, I like that, like intellectually or something, just imagining that lineup, either if it's with Exum and with uh, Donovan Mitchell, that seems like a fun, a fun second unit that could do some real damage. Uh, is the starting unit, is it going to be Rubio, Hood, and then Joe Ingles at the three, and then that front court? I think so. I think that's, that's most likely, and, and you could see, you know, maybe, maybe you want to get someone coming off the bench there. Although, honestly, you want probably Joe Ingles in the starting lineup. I, I, I got to think that's it. Um, unless someone, unless Donovan Mitchell is incredible. I, I mean, really, I think that's the likely starters. 
Right. I think one of the salves for fans, for jazz fans this summer was how exciting Donovan Mitchell looked at Summer League. Looked like you guys performed a heist on draft night, uh, stealing that pick from the Denver Nuggets. And then Donovan yeah, Mitchell. Yeah, what were they thinking? I don't know. I've talked with uh, Adam Mares a couple times about it. Uh, like, you, one, you guys really need to stop trading within your division because you're getting worked on these trades <laughs> for these teams that you have to play four times a year. Uh, and yeah, and I don't know why you need, I don't know why the nuggets need so many power forwards and then just keep drafting and trading for power forwards. Anyway, that looks like that worked out really well for you guys, especially if he does become a dynamic scorer. Cause if we said as as we've said many times, this team is struggling for points, but do you think Donovan Mitchell, can he play alongside, say, Rodney Hood, who is kind of the other guy, the other guy we're penciling in as also a scorer? Yeah, I, I, I really do. I mean, I, I don't think Donovan Mitchell will be efficient offensively in his rookie season. You know, he honestly, he put up a lot of points in summer league, but he didn't score that efficiently. Um, you know, shot, I think he shot 38% across the two summer leagues from the field. So, you know, it, it's not horrific, but it's, kind of shows that you shouldn't expect anything super efficient from him um, in, in his rookie year. Um, but what he did show was kind of the, the smarts for the game. And then honestly, just the, the defensive skill in, in terms of getting the number of steals. He's, he's the, now the summer league all-time leader in, in steals per game. So that's obviously encouraging. Um, I, would, I would like to point out that is based on, I think he played two games in Vegas. And yeah. and one of those games, my Memphis Grizzlies passed him the ball six times. I don't I don't think yeah, the, I don't think they knew he was on the other team. Was that Wade Baldwin who was doing that? Yeah, yeah. Wade Baldwin threw it to yeah. him un, under like unforced error style, just like oh that guy's not on our team. And he had eight steals that game, I think. But anyway, go yeah, ahead. <laughs> he, he, yeah, he had eight steals that game. Um, and then I'll, I'll I'll say this: he was he did I think he averaged three and a half steals per game in the Jazz summer league. So like. I, I guess my all-time leader stat is is between the two summer leagues. Um, no, it's so, true. It's yeah, true. So I just wanted to throw some context like in there. Games or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, so anyway, uh, I, I think I think he's going to be more impactful on the defensive end first. I think he'll take. I think he'll have medium to high usage. You know, twenty to twenty-two percent, let's say, um, uh, and taking a lot of shots. But I don't think he'll be like a dynamo superstar or, you know, star level player in year one, but I think he's going to show something. I think he's going to be a, a good shooter right away, which I think is important. Uh, just, you know, obviously from the three point line, he, he takes a lot of dumb shots uh, or at least did in Louisville and did in summer league. And we'll see if those kind of stay during, um, you know, the regular season when, when things actually matter. But um, I, 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 jazz fans are really, really excited for Donovan Mitchell. And I think, Rightfully so. Plus, the kid's like attitude is is incredible. Really, like honestly, the best rookie interview I've I've ever had. Oh yeah, what makes it that? Just all the all the right platitudes. It's, it's not even the right platitudes. I mean, he's he's. So I'll give you an example. When he first came to work out with the Jazz, you know, he's he's in that late lottery range, and the Jazz had then the the twenty fourth pick in the draft. I was like. I, I asked him straight up. I was like, you know, why are you here right now? What, what are you, what are you doing here? And he's like, well, I, I really wanted to work out for the Utah jazz because it was an organization that my skill set fit um, with what I wanted to do and what I could be in the NBA. And he mentioned, you know, kind of off the top of his head, 
the Jazz's defensive mindset as an organization and how that fits. First of all, you've got a rookie who's done his research on the teams that he's visiting and that he says that he wants to be a defense first player, which is not something you hear from a lot of rookies. And then B, that he said that he noticed the Jazz's player development um, and guys like Joe Ingles, Gordon Hayward, and, and kind of improved their careers from where they came in from their rookie season to where they are now. And uh, Rudy Gobert being another big example there and said, you know, that would be good for me in my career to have that player development staff lead me to where I want to go. So again, like this is, this is most of these guys on these, on these campaigns, you know, you, you go work out for 15 different teams and you have no idea if you're in Salt Lake or Memphis one day or the next. Right. And that he had that awareness what was going on with the team and, and kind of what they were known for and, and what they could add to his game kind of off the, on an off the cuff response was, was really impressive. I thought, and it, you kind of see this over and over again, where he, he answers the question in a right way, but in a way that it doesn't seem cliche. That's pretty good. I'm more of a cynic. I feel like he buttered you guys. I know. Up. No, it's fair. Like <laughs> I was too. I, I honestly went up to his agent, Ty Sullivan afterwards. I'm like, did you, did you coach him on that? Like how, why is he like that? He's like, no dude, that's just, that's just Donovan. That's just the way he is. And it's, um, a little bit of it is because his, his dad actually is the PR rep for the Mets, I guess, or Mets oh, minor league system. But, so he kind of knows the game a little bit, but he's, he's good at playing it. I mean, and I'm willing to be bought. That's awesome. That's, that's some peak off season right there. Getting fired up yeah. <laughs> about the, the rookie interviews. Also peak off season. I've seen that Rodney hood has dedicated himself to improving this summer, stayed in Salt yeah. Lake city all summer. Also, uh, from, uh, Tony Jones of the Salt Lake Tribune. He tweeted that Alec Burks is 100% healthy, which again, peak off-season tweet. Uh, do, you, yeah. do, do you actually think, though, joking aside, is Alec Burks going to contribute anything on the court this year? I'm skeptical. I mean, so first of all, they said he was 100% healthy last off-season, so 12 months ago. And then when they came, when he came in, they were like, oh, he actually, he can't play for the next three months, and he had another surgery and all that kind of stuff. So, A, I'm skeptical that he's 100% healthy, but let's say that he is. I don't think that he's very good. And like, yeah. I, I mean that in uh, that, that's kind of harsh and, and he's done a lot for some bad jazz teams, but you, you look at kind of like all the advanced analytics and you're like, okay, this, this kid can get to the free throw line was, was his big skill. And now after the injuries, after three knee surgeries, I thought he clearly lost a step even after returning last year um, and wasn't the player that he was. And even the player that he was had a lot of issues where he was a terrible defender uh, and didn't make very smart decisions with the ball. And if there's anything that the Jazz are about right now, it's being excellent on defense and making smart decisions with the ball on offense. So I don't know that even if he's back to 100% Alec Burks, I don't know that he's like he'll be able to be played in kind of what Quinn Snyder wants to do with the rest of the team. That's fair. I. I'm not even sure I can remember him playing. Like I have, I have a memory of him. Hitting, <laughs> I have a memory of him like hitting maybe a like an elbow jumper once. But yeah, it's like okay. it's a, it's it's a blur. Like I I know I watched him three years ago, but I yeah I don't mm-hmm. I don't, I don't remember anything. All right, wrapping up. Yeah, I mean, best oh. case he's like a a decent six man in in the Lou Williams mold, but less good of a shooter, I guess. Well, that um, could be which obviously would help. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. That, that, could, that, that could definitely be used this season, it's, it seems like. 
All right, wrapping up. What's your what's your expectation? What's your projection for this Jazz season? I, I think they end up as the six, seven, eight seed. You know, if, it, like you said, there are so many of these teams in the Western Conference that uh, probably should be ranked above the Jazz just on talent alone. But you look at again where the Jazz expect to be defensively again, top three, maybe even better. They, you can argue that they've improved their defense, uh, and you know, it, so long as they're not the worst team in the league offensively. So long as they're not bottom five, they're going to be a playoff team. So then um, you, you kind of look at, you know, are they better than the, the Denver Nuggets? I probably think so. I mean, I like Paul Millsap a lot, but again, there's some positional issues with how many power forwards they have. Um, I, you know, are they better than where the Clippers are now? You know, the Clippers losing Chris Paul. I, I think probably yes. Um, even though I, I love Milos Teodosic, I think, and and Gallo is a good player. I think ultimately you have to say that Gobert may be a, 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 I don't know if he's a better star than Blake Griffin, but I think he may be a more impactful player overall. So, um, you know, these, these are real arguments to have. And I think I show in kind of my jazz homerness and a couple of those arguments, but you say probably six, seventh or eighth seed. And I, I really think probably 45 ish wins plus or minus, you know, three um but enough that again you're in the western conference playoffs and you lose in the first round to one of the really good teams in the west all right and last thing who leads the jazz in scoring next year and how many points per game does that take yeah so i I wrote an article on this um i I think it's probably rodney hood um and so I, i looked at all the leading scores in the nba last season and there were only two under 18 points a game and that was Tobias Harris for the Pistons at 16.5 or something like that. And Evan Fournier with the Magic at 17.2. So I think if you're looking at a leading score, it's probably got to be 16, 17, 18 points. And it's probably going to be a perimeter guy, even if it's a iffy team. Um, And I I think it's Rodney Hood, really, that fits both of those criteria. Maybe Rudy Gobert, honestly, gets a, a little bit better and gets more opportunities without Gordon Hayward and benefits from Ricky Rubio feeding him the ball. But I think Rodney Hood is probably the smart bet just because he's shown an ability to use a lot of possessions. I know uh, Gerald Henderson in 2012 led the Bobcats in scoring with 15 points per game. That's a little... Uh, they, even Gerald Henderson can, they can won, score 15 in a lead role. I think Rodney's a little bit better. I was going to say, I think that team won seven games. No. <laughs> <laughs> If that happens, yeah, that's not that's no good. You want to avoid the what seven and fifty nine Bobcat, right? That's 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 the mark. All right, well, Andy, thanks a bunch. I I gotta say, I'm excited about this Jazz team. If if Rodney Hood improves just a little and Donovan Mitchell is a contributor, I think this team can be can be good. I think what they should do is they should be angling for that six or seven seed to try to play the Spurs mm-hmm. in the first round and then grind the Spurs into powder and just mess them up. I think they need, I need, they need to go grizzly style, aim for the Spurs and then take them down. That's my, uh, yeah, I also, yeah. And honestly, I think like a, a jazz thunder matchup would be really interesting too, because oh yeah, those guys, you know, Russell Westbrook and Paul George depend so much on getting to the rim. Now you've got Rudy Gobert there. Maybe, maybe that's a little bit more difficult. You know, I, I like what the thunder have done this off season, but it, it, the jazz can prevent a lot of problems for, you know, non-Warriors teams. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I agree. All right, Andy, uh, plug some stuff. Tell people where they can find you online. 
Yeah, so I'm the jazz beat writer for KSL.com, so you can find all my articles there. We're the NBC affiliate here in Salt Lake City. Uh, and then I also am the managing editor of saltcityhoops.com, so check us out there. My Twitter handle is at Andy B. Larson. All right, thanks, Andy. Really uh, appreciate you joining me. Look forward to talking to you again. Hey, no problem. Sounds good. All right, thanks to Andy for joining me. Also, maybe thanks to Andy for peer pressuring me away from recording a podcast while Abby was in labor. That could have been could have been stressful. Anyway, if you want more Fast Break Breakfast, you can get that at patreon.com slash fastbreakbreakfast. Once again, we have some fantasy basketball slots available at the $4 tier. Also a slot or two available in the iShop International Stackhouse of Pancakes Negative Fantasy League. And if you join those, you are automatically added to the Slack chat, which goes around the clock gives you that dose of John and Chuck you might be missing in the summer as we podcast a little less frequently with the full crew. You can meet some friends there. A little more intimate than Twitter. A little more unhinged, unfiltered from us on there, if that's your kind of thing. It's fun. And we're playing all kinds of pigskin pick'em games. Uh, the Eliminator Challenge. We'll let, we'll let you in. We might let you in late. Anyway, we're just trying to connect with you guys. And obviously that money goes to making our show as good as it possibly can be. All right. You can like us on Facebook. Follow me on Twitter at Fast Break Break. You guys are the best. Thanks for listening. And remember, breakfast is the most important thing. Yeah, never apologize for being GNG. Fair break, break, man. You understand? Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, over prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.